great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass. This is the Ronaldo special. Guys, look, welcome back. I'm honestly, Rob, I've been a wreck. You know this. We've been talking a lot over the last 24 hours. I've been emotional. I had a little bit of a cry yesterday. I've seen my idol come back. I've seen a guy that made me adore Manchester United. I've seen a guy who, when I think back to when I was a child and I used to go to Old Trafford and I used to watch United every single week, who was a player that I used to just get off my seat and just get so excited and and it made me love Manchester United. And I knew every time we saw Ronaldo on the pitch, Manchester United were going to win. And I think one of the most difficult things for me over the last 24, 48 hours was I was going to see the person who I absolutely adore. I can't even put it into words, Rob. I absolutely adore. Go to the other side, go to the team that I despise and just destroy everything. And through my head, I was thinking, does he even care about us, Rob? That was a problem for me. Does he even care? And for so many years, I've been loyal to Ronaldo. Every single summer, I want him to come back. Half my life. I was 13 when he left and 26 now. And for me, I was thinking, does he even care? Am I an idiot? Am I a fool for even caring about him and wanting him to come back? And it's made me emotional thinking about it now. And a lot of people are in the same boat. Manchester United have brought Cristiano Ronaldo back. I know you say, don't get high, don't get too low. I'm going to get high today because I absolutely adore him. And I can't wait to see him play for Manchester United on the 11th of September. Welcome back. How are you feeling? I feel good. I know. I think you probably feel even more better than I do, certainly with Ronaldo being your all-time hero. I know how much it meant to you. We talked about in our last episode um, the potential of Ronaldo going to Manchester City, which it looked like that might have been the case then. But I think in terms of the football club, the ambition, what United needs to move forward, there's no doubt that Cristiano Ronaldo ticks lots of boxes. He's going to help United get to where they need to be. And it's just the whole star-studded nature of the transfer, that the prodigal son has returned to Old Trafford, that this great icon of the club decided, thankfully, not to burn his legacy in favour of taking the sports-washing money that's on offer for him. And that he could have taken it. There was an offer there from Manchester City, as much as they wish to deny it, and also the people around their football club are now denying it. There was an offer there. It was it was akin to Manchester United's offer. But as we saw, and we saw it all play out in the last kind of 24, 48 hours, that when Manchester United's bid was kind of confirmed with Juventus, that the player was then just giving the, the decision himself just to say, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And there was only one club he wanted to go to. So I think that that means a lot. You know, I said, I think yesterday before the news broke, that Maybe Ronaldo doesn't care about these things. You know, not all footballers do. But I do think as well that with legacy, it is important some players. I think with Ronaldo, with his kind of godlike status, is that I don't think he'd want to burn that. I don't think that's why he's coming back to Manchester United. But I think that is one of the main reasons why he didn't sign for Manchester City. 
Yeah, absolutely. Guys, get your comments in. We'll answer as many questions as possible. Rob's actually going to give us an insight into how this deal actually became a reality. Something I do want to say, though, Rob, as well, mm -hmm. is that there's a whole generation of Manchester United fans that grew up on Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's not too crazy to say Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, that 2006-2009 team. Really, the last time that Manchester United were Manchester United, Rob, even the days after Ronaldo went, we had Tevez go as well. All these players that went who weren't replaced properly, we know the issues with the Glazers. Somehow, Sir Alex just held it all together. He's a great, he's the greatest of all time. He somehow found a way to win as the quality of players went down. And almost, for me, Ronaldo going signified Manchester United's decline. And I never thought we'd see this day happen. But a lot of people say that you shouldn't idolise players that much because you're going to get disappointed. But when you're young and you're watching a player... And a lot of you, Man United fans, probably now a lot of these kids are looking at Bruno Fernandez in the same way. That's what makes football so special, doesn't it? That you have this attachment that it sometimes things like loyalty you don't see in football because of what's been going on with money. Mm -hmm. The fact he has come back is is a huge story, isn't it? And it, it's almost like I don't want to be too dramatic, but it's almost like football football you know didn't go down that sports washing, taking the the city money. He actually went back mm -hmm. to Manchester United. He went back to the fans that adore him. Yeah, I, I don't think he would come back to United purely on nostalgia. I really don't. I don't think he's that kind of animal. I think he's built to win. And even at 36, you know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go somewhere for his pension. He's not going there for a couple of couple of years now to be at United to say, well, this is me done and I'm here. Being honest, if he's going to do that, he's going to Miami. Yeah, he's going somewhere like that where he can kind of really lord it up and, and have that lifestyle that he enjoys. He's coming back to Cheshire. He's coming back to Manchester. He's coming back to win. And I think really the project at United is the big selling point. Now, I know that a lot of United fans, we've talked about this in the past, quite recently as well, that they're not particularly hot on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the style of football. They're not, they don't like Ed Woodward. They don't like the Glazers. There's lots of things that we don't like about the football club as a general consensus. But are Manchester United still a draw? Of course they are. Of course they are. They're still, without doubt, one of the top two or three or four clubs in the world. They have that pull in power. And it's more been more about United's, I don't know, their selves and their strategy of how they've recruited and how they've looked at the 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 kind of the way they've supported managers. Like we know, as much as we've criticized Mourinho before, you know, he wasn't fully supported. There were times where they could have given him more. We know with Van Gaal that he did get plenty of players, but again, the the recruitment was kind of skewed all over the place. I think with Ole, he's made it quite clear to the owners what he needs. And he said from day one, I want the best. Well, he's just got the best player of all time. And that's my opinion in terms of Ronaldo and Messi. It has flip-flopped over the years. There's times where you kind of feel it's more Messi more than Ronaldo. I think Messi has lost a tiny bit of stock by going to PSG because he didn't have to. Could have gone to Manchester City. It was there for him. But he didn't want to come to England. And yet Ronaldo at 36 is coming back to a league that he knows very well a competition that is very, very difficult and physical. And he's coming for a challenge. He knows that if he fails in two years, that that's a little bit of a blot on him. But he's not coming to fail. He's coming to win. And I think that in terms of the addition itself, United did well to get it over the line in the way that they did. I think that they played the, the caution key. City were the ones doing all the running for a couple of weeks, two to three weeks. United spoke to um, George Mendes about two weeks ago for the first time and just wanted to be informed. And they were informed. And in 48 hours ago, they matched the bid that was on the table from City. And that was that, finished. And that was the end of it. So 
that worked out really well in United's favour. But I think it also showed the. Uh, they had a commitment to Cristiano and they said to him, look, you're going to, we want you to come back. You have a place in our project. That's important. You are an icon. You're a legend. And we want to play that. We want to play that with you. Go out there. Let Old Trafford be your stage. It's the theater of dreams. And I know for a fact that Ronaldo as an individual, he loves all of that. There's some players that don't, some players don't get off on it. Some players just want the readies and the, three, four, five hundred pounds, a hundred thousand pounds a week. Ronaldo does enjoy the glory. He does enjoy the trophies. And let's be honest, Manchester United need some glory and they need some trophies. Yeah, absolutely spot on, Rob. I think that's a very big point. I think people, look, I was cursing him <laughs> 24 hours ago. I was saying to uh, I was saying to a few people, um, Adam McCullough was saying on Twitter, we were, we were, back and forth on the on the thread and he was like get the pig's head ready you know we're going to do a Luis Figo you know <laughs> when he went to Real Madrid seriously yeah. you know the, the sort of cocktail of emotions and the, the change yeah. from how I was feeling before but you know I think a lot of people think Ronaldo is only about himself and I think maybe this has proved yes he is about himself but if it was truly about himself he would have gone to see because let's be honest as we look at it right now and we will talk guys we'll talk about the midfield we'll talk about defense midfield don't worry we'll answer those questions um uh, that seems to be the, the question everyone asks every single uh, podcast. And that's United fans' favourite word at the moment, defensive midfielder. But, DMF, um, DMF. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're looking at it now, Rob, and you're thinking, you know, if Ronaldo really did care just about that and he didn't care about his legacy. And it's interesting because I think Rio Ferdinand had a big role to play here. Obviously, Sir Alex called him up, apparently. You know, you had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You know, I was reading Darren Fletcher today also in his new role, the Charm Offensive. All these people making... This is what makes Manchester United so special, doesn't it? And I think Ronaldo felt that, didn't he? And you looked at him at Real Madrid. Obviously, that was his dream. He was adored there. Went to Juventus. Has I would say he was a failure, considering he's 100 million. He was there to win the Champions League. But there were other issues there in terms of you know the squad makeup and the building of the squad there at Juventus. He, he wasn't a failure at Juventus. There's no we'll, way. You, we'll talk about his stats. We'll talk about his stats. Shows about, and, and we, we will we will disprove that comment because he was not a failure. Juventus were the failure. So Juventus didn't really... They thought buying Cristiano Ronaldo meant that they won the Champions League because they bought Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, if United fans think we're going to win the Premier League or the Champions League just because we bought Cristiano Ronaldo, then you're sorely mistaken. That's not going to happen. It might happen, but other things have to happen as well. And of course, that's what this show is about. It's kind of looking at nuance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, we've got a question here saying, why do you think there's some negativity from fans regarding this? Um, there, there, are, there are some fans that are very negative, Rob, and I think yeah. it's, it's puzzling because, you know, we've just signed, okay, 36 years old. He's not a normal 36-year-old, but we're going to go through his goal statistics a little bit later, and you'll mm -hmm. see he's still performing at an extremely high level. Why is there this uh, almost uh, disdain and not getting excited about us bringing in a truly, truly world-class player? Because there will always be a type of Manchester United fan that when a player turns their back on the football club in any manner, that they're done, that they're finished. So I'll look at it from my point of view. I've always said this. You, you started the show about talking about heroes and stuff. Um, and I will say, now, as you get older, you realise that your heroes do disappoint you. That's just a fact of life as you get older. My hero when I was younger was Morrissey from the Smiths. I love them. You know, do I love Morrissey anymore? No, I think he's a bit of a you-know-what. So no longer can I feel those things for someone who was once my hero. And football is, I think, the same. So to me, Cantona and Robson stand above everyone. Two players that changed the football club and carried the football club on their own. And they kind of sit in a little elite box in my head somewhere up here. 
And then even when I talk about the likes of Giggs and Neville's and we talk about Beckham and now down to Ronaldo and the guys obviously that came in that kind of 2008 period, do I look at them as heroes? Well, the truth is, is no. So the day that Ronaldo left, I didn't shed any tears. I didn't. I thought £80 million of good price. He's been wanting to go for 12 months. See you later. It's a bit like Paul Pogba. So I want Paul Pogba to stay. Why? For football reasons. If Paul Pogba decides that he wants to go off somewhere else, thank you, Paul. Off you go and we move on. So I think there's a lot of United fans who moved on from Ronaldo. So like you said, obviously you were younger, so there is that kind of attachment. Yeah, there for I, you. I was I was where you were, where you are with Robbo and and of course, like that. and That's that is totally understandable. Wayne Rooney also is there for a lot of people in that kind of age bracket and that demographic. To me, Wayne Rooney doesn't really mean a lot. I know it sounds terrible. Like Wayne's our top goal scorer, but I can remember him flirting with Chelsea and with Man City and not signing contracts and pushing for more money. And that went on for about six, seven, eight years. So, like, you know, I, I remember him fondly as a player. Of course, I was there at all those matches. But with, like with Cristiano, it felt that when he went to Real Madrid, that was it. That was the end of that chapter. Uh, there's always been talk that United have wanted him back. That's been no secret. They've seen that there's been an opportunity to kind of open the doors and let it be this kind of grand, you know, re-entry to you know, the Disney world of Manchester United, that here we go, Mickey Mouse is here, you know, and he's going to be there playing that part. And that's why partly why the Glazers do want him. But Cristiano Ronaldo is a stone-cold footballer. That's what he is. That's what you're buying. You're buying someone who's got an amazing stat, stats line. And you just put up there, Ronaldo, Juve stats, 89 goals in three years. Not many strikers that can boast anything like those figures. Now, I know with Ronaldo and Messi, their figures are off the charts compared to everyone else over a 10-year spell. But we're still just talking about recent times. Two to three years, I think, is fair. And I know with the Juve period, it wasn't him that really failed. It was that Juve couldn't really get the stylistic value right. And they had problems with managers, other players. It didn't quite work. That happens. It could happen to Ronaldo at United. But you're just saying also about, you know, do people, are they hot? I think a lot of people are also just stunned. So the, the idea of seeing Ronaldo again in a Man United shirt, especially even some older fans, is just like, how will I feel about this? Well, I'll tell you how you'll feel. When you hear them sing Viva Ronaldo off the Stratford End and that stadium yeah, is going crazy against Newcastle and I will be there. I do have a ticket. I'm there for those games. I'm trying, I'm trying to get a ticket, Rob. I'm going to have to fork out for one. I know. <laughs> you know, they're going for like, you know, 10 times the value or whatever at the moment. But, I, you know, I'll be there. I'll be singing as well. And the whole point of it is, is that that's part of supporting your team, your football club, is that you bring players in and you want to love them. You want to love them by what they do for you on a football pitch. That's the connection. So I think with Ronaldo, whatever people feel now, let's see how they feel in a few weeks' time. Let's be honest, a year ago when we were doing Cavani talk, most United fans, 80%, I say, were a bit like not interested in Cavani. Several weeks on when he was scoring goals and, you know, doing his old, you know, bang, you know, suddenly everyone loves him. And it's like Cavani's God and we, you know, we want him at the football club singing songs for him. And that was with no fans in stadiums. So I think with Ronaldo coming back, coming to United at a time when we're all back in stadiums, it's perfectly timed. Um and this is his stage. He loves all of this. You're going to see him when he comes out of Old Trafford against Newcastle. He's going to have a big smile across his face and he will be lapping it up. And you know, if there's one player that will not be affected by all of this. It's him. 
He doesn't care about this when it comes to nerves. He's not worried about this. He goes out there and bees Ronaldo. He's like, this is me. So I think it's a good signing in that context. I also said like before the signing was complete, it doesn't solve everything. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. Obviously, United fans are still completely preoccupied about defensive midfielders and several other positions. And so they should be, you know, it's all valid at the end of the day. But Cristiano Ronaldo, he's a number nine. Man United could do with a number nine. And I think the period of the contract, two years is good. He might even go on longer. He might be here for three or four years. I would not be surprised if Cristiano Ronaldo retires at 40 in a Manchester United shirt after four years back at Old Trafford. He has that ability. He just has to stay fit. Yeah, great points. And uh, I think this is a really good comment here saying there's no midfielder in the world that wouldn't want to play in this team with the likes of Ronaldo, mm -hmm. Sancho, Bruno and Pogba. Absolutely. I just want to make a quick point about Sancho, Rob, because it's something that I was thinking about today. And it's that you, you haven't heard a word about Jin Sancho because you've had right. Varane. It's, it's amazing. And Ronaldo, I right. some might say, really, why is it amazing? Because there's, there's almost zero pressure and scrutiny. We spoke about it earlier on when Sancho joined. If you've been a hundred million pound player, you see all the talk about Jack Grealish at the moment. And Grealish has started pretty well for City. All right, yeah. To be honest, he's done all right. He hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't set the world alight, but he's also not flopped. Um, but imagine if that was Sancho, hundred million pound player, taking the number seven shirt. He's still only a kid. What is he? Twenty years old. It's going to be perfect now for Jin Sancho to just keep his head down, almost fly under the radar, and play his game. And Ronaldo's, like you said, is going to love it. He's going to love being the centre attention because he's Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think that's a massive, massive. Point. Another thing I do want to add, you know, comment here saying some fans pr uh, were praising United for not going for him for some reason felt betrayed now. I think one of the biggest things <laughs> that we all know this, I'm the same, we're all the same. Football fans are fickle. You know, one day they're going to think something. I was like, I hate Ronaldo. I can't believe he's done this. I was furious on Thursday night. And then look, look at me now, Friday, Saturday. Um, I'm happy go lucky. I think that's just Merry Christmas, Haydar. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. That's it. Nothing will ever top yesterday. I didn't do any work. Hopefully my boss isn't watching this. Absolutely no work. And I was just, you know, refreshing Twitter or whatever it was. But it was actually fantastic. But Rob, let's bring up, um, you know, sort of Ronaldo's numbers, shall we say. Yeah. So I'm going to bring them up now because I think that's really exciting to have a look at. So what we have here, if you listen to this on Spotify, we have Ronaldo's numbers from FBRF, and this kind of gives you an idea. We do this for a lot of players when they come in, sort of where they're sitting in terms of percentile against other players in similar positions. So let's start, Rob, with non-penalty goals. I mean, look, he's in the 91st percentile. Even in the Juventus team, probably that wasn't as creative. He was still the main goal scorer, obviously the main man. Total shots, 99th percentile. I'm not surprised. I think we're going to see Ronaldo <laughs> making a lot of shots. I think he's going to be... You know, he will be peppering that goal. That can only be a positive, I think. Assists, Rob. Let's talk about this. That's pretty low. 41st, 41st percentile, you know. And then you look at the progressive passes, 78th. But the key one here is progressive carries, 98th percentile. Now, the impression of Ronaldo now is he's getting older now. He's 36 years old. He's not someone that is going to do what he did in his first spell at Manchester United. He was everywhere, wasn't he? He was on he was on the wing. He was in the channels. He was going central. Like, he was absolutely everywhere. He was getting on the ball. But this actually suggests otherwise, doesn't it? It suggests that you know he will still drift and drift out wide, won't he? He will carry the ball. It will allow Bruno perhaps to make those runs in the centre. We will have a fluid front three, even with Ronaldo playing. Definitely. And when Ronaldo was at United before, like the Ronaldo that we had 12 years ago is not the Ronaldo that exists today. It is different. Why? 
Well, United played a kind of 4-4-1-1 style around that time. That was really the shape, um, kind of any kind of variation of 4-4-2. And Ronaldo was a winger. So he played off the wing, but obviously with his incredible pace and his skill and his trickery, he could do things that, say, like Nani couldn't. So Nani would kind of be more of a traditional winger, get the ball wide, try and cross the ball, try and get assists. Ronaldo got plenty of assists as a winger, but became this entity that started to score goals, became a dominant figure on the football pitch. And we went to Real Madrid, he changed into a striker. So he's not going to change back into the Ronaldo that we had. But it's quite interesting when you look at his heat map. So I think we've got his heat map there. Is that something we could bring up on the screen now? Unfortunately, you guys listening on Spotify, you won't be able to see it. But if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to the channel, you'll be able to see what we uh, we put up here with the slide. So if you look at this heat map here, as you can see, it's pretty spread out. Now, this is his heat map kind of going back into the last couple of seasons. So it does vary and fluctuate depending on what Juventus were trying to do. Now, his, his heat map at Real Madrid was even wilder. It was just red. It was just heat everywhere. Because that was because his engine was so good and he was playing football all parts of the pitch. But you can see he primarily likes to live outside the box on the left-hand side still going into that channel traditional modern day football as it is and he also likes to make that kind of move between the left hand side of the penalty area in towards the penalty spot attacking the front post so that is kind of what united need you know when united play a 4-2-3-1 system and they're not going to change that that really gives united a bit of balance in terms of what your number nine does it also allows you to revert quickly into 4-3-3 kind of lets you fly together. It lets you play counter-attack because of those areas that he's playing in. And you can actually see that as a striker, even though he's in those middle-of-the-park areas, he's not dropping off. He's not playing back to goal, yeah? I and mean, we talked about this quite a bit, about what Lukaku does now, what other players do, playing maybe more with their back to goal and doing different things to try and help the team. Cristiano Ronaldo is a goal scorer, but that is what a modern number nine does. And that heat map, displays it that's where a number nine lives now he doesn't just live you know three yards in front of a goalkeeper goal hanging and that shows that Cristiano Ronaldo is not a goal hanger you know that this, this heat map is pretty conclusive it does show that he doesn't really go on the right anymore you know at United he did he'd play on the right hand side sometimes so that would give you you know food for thought that Jaden Sancho is going to get quite a lot of room on the right hand side of the pitch at United and that Ronaldo might kind of drift to the left and from the centre from the middle of the park. And you might then have someone like Marcus Rashford, much wider left. And then you have Cavani, maybe even playing left of a 4-3-3 like he did at PSG. There's options now. And this is what's important for Ole. So bringing Ronaldo to the football club gives you more. It's not just about him, even though he is a goal machine. It's about having more tactical awareness, having players that can do different things. And we say this all the time when we talk about transfer windows. Looking at that heat map, it makes me excited. Not because of what he is, but just the, the kind of intelligence. You go and operate in the areas of the part that hurt the opponent most. And that isn't always the penalty spot. There is other channels. And as I always say on this show, the channels is what modern football, certainly English football, is about. He's coming to a style of football that he already tactically and technically knows he will be successful in. He doesn't have to modify his game. He doesn't have to slow himself down. He can play Ronaldo football. And when you look at that heat map, United will play Ronaldo football too. So it's a kind of good marriage. I think it will work really, really well. And I think the pieces around him, the floating bits, like we'll put the my uh, kind of dream team sheet up in a minute. When I, uh, I tweeted out uh, on Twitter yesterday, 
when we were looking at uh, the shape of the team, showing it will still be 4-2-3-1. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to lead that attack. He will be, I think, rotated in and out more just simply because of his age. And do you know what? That's okay. Because if he doesn't play all the games, he might play 75% of the games. If he gets you 20, 25 goals in 75% of the games, Man United will be challenging for all the silverware they go for. Yeah, 100%. Guys, we will answer. I know there's a lot of questions regarding Martial, Lingard, outgoings. We will talk about that nearer the end. So, uh, you know, sort of just park those questions. If you've got more tactical questions or anything like that, we'll add it. But there's obviously questions regarding Cavani, Rob. So, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we need a specialised... Well, we need DM, we need a midfielder, whatever. We know that. Okay. Yeah. What are we going to do with Cavani if Ronaldo is number nine? Now, when I'm looking at this, you mentioned it, you took the words out of my mouth. You know, I'm thinking of Jane Sancho looking at right-hand side. I'm thinking of Mason Greenwood as well. On that right-hand side, I think they're going to flourish with Ronaldo there. With Cavani, I mean, to, to be honest, Rob, one of the reasons why I thought this signing wasn't going to happen is because of the fact that we had Cavani. You're looking at him, he's on a big salary. He is that older player that United have got. So I really didn't expect United to go in for him. But we've got Cavani here. The question is, and a lot of people are asking this, can they play together? Now, I'm looking here at Cavani. and I think for Oli, the issue isn't the fact he's got so many options. I think the issue for him or the challenge for him now is going to be, how do I manage a lot of egos? Cavani's someone, you know, who's obviously been there, done it, scored a lot of goals. Ronaldo's another one. And how do I manage their minutes? Because that's, I think that's going to be more of a challenge rather than how do they all fit on the pitch? Because I think there are plenty of games to go around. Cavani can't play week in, week out. I think Ronaldo and Cavani possibly could play together. But I think if they're going to play together, you might see Ronaldo off the left. It's not happening. It's not happening. No way. Right. They're both going to be sent forwards. I think they could play together in a 4-3-3. Or as I said, in PSG's old system, you had Ibrahimovic through the middle and you had Cavani to the left. And Cavani played through the middle when Ibrahimovic wasn't there for whatever reason. But Ibra is very, very different to Ronaldo stylistically uh, in terms of how he wants to kind of hold the ball up and kind of interplay and all of that. I, I agree with what you said at the, at the top there. One of the big obvious hurdles was that because Cavani was at the football club that United wouldn't move for Ronaldo. But I think it was just too big an opportunity that once United knew that he would come if they made the deal, if the deal was on the table and Ronaldo was saying, I will come to your football club if you sign me. If you want to sign me, I'm coming. You know, I don't think it really mattered about Cavani then. Now, I kind of explained just a little bit of the timeline bits that I know about it from the signing because I think it is still important. Is that when City were going in for, for Ronaldo in the last couple of weeks, last two or three weeks, and they were convinced that they'd signed the player, they were getting the tone from George Mendes that they liked the deal and he was happy and that Juventus had to sell, so he had to go somewhere. So no one was else bidding. PSG were not particularly interested at that point, very preoccupied about keeping Mbappe. And, uh, and, and it was decided that he was going to go to Manchester City, and I think he was willing to talk to them until Manchester United pulled the trigger. And then he's at United, and that's that. So Cavani then becomes a little bit of a byproduct. He's on eight to nine million pound a year. That's his salary at United. Still a very big salary, but we're having this issue now with the the red country flagging of COVID and Uruguay. There's already a bit of a stink between Manchester United, uh, the Uruguayan FA, and obviously rightly so, League. Rob. Rightly so. Right, rightfully so. And I think what's more more difficult is that Cavani immediately kind of put out that Instagram post with a kind of, you know, downward thumb emoji like 12 year olds do. And I don't like this from professional footballers. You know, he should really just keep his gob shut and go and talk to the club and do it professionally. That's the way it should be. But of course, you know, footballers use social media like this now, like everyone else. 
Um, but he does that. He makes it public. And he's going to probably miss about seven to eight games. So you don't buy Ronaldo to fill that gap for seven to eight games. But what you do do is you say, well, I'm sorry, Edinson, you're, you're now down the pecking order a little bit more. You're only going to be at the club for another year and we still want to use you, but you will be on the bench more. And I've said this, haven't I, consistently. Edison Cavani is a substitute. He's on the subs bench. So this doesn't change. You know, if Ronaldo comes into the starting 11 as the starting number nine or, say, for 75% of the matches or the kind of main hub, then Cavani's still the same player. He still sits on the bench, doesn't he? So I don't think anyone needs to worry about Cavani. He's got a year left on his contract. I'm sure he'll enjoy playing with Ronaldo. Like you said there about egos. What I tend to find is that superstars do get on when they're winning. So if they can find a way to win and it's a highly successful season, I think you'll see Cavani and Ronaldo dancing arm and arm down the, the touchline at Old Trafford. And uh, I don't think anyone would be talking about, you know, who's wearing what shirt number, et cetera, et cetera, even though those are conversations that will be had, no doubt. Uh, and I think with Cavani is that he's a professional as well. He wants to go to Boca Juniors. It's something that he is, he said behind the scenes, but he's happy at United for now. Six months time, maybe not so. Let's see. It might be in the January transfer window that if he's really not played, if Ole has gone complete about turn and it's just gone Ronaldo all the way, that you might see that Cavani is allowed to leave the football club on a free transfer or something along those lines. Yeah, I think Cavani is a really funny one, Rob, because before the season started, you would have probably said, you know, would he be the first choice number nine? I think he would have been pushing for it, at least with Mason. And the question was, would Martial take it? Martial hasn't really hit the ground running. Mason seems to be the one at the moment. I mean, he's been fantastic since he's played. And Mason, by the way, people are asking, what about Greenwood? They'll get, there's so many games to go around. United's problem has been, you looked at Marcus Rashford, Rob, absolutely played him to the ground the last couple of years. There are so many games to go around. If Man United can go and field Cavani in a League Cup game, that is, that's what you call depth. You don't want to have to go and field your strongest side. You know, that's what, that's the depth that we aspire to have. I think a lot of people are asking, Remember, Mason's still very young. He's going to get games off the right. You know, Sancho's still going to get eased in. Mason will play centrally sometimes as well. Ronaldo will not play every single game week in, week out. I think, you know, fans have to understand that you need this sort of depth if you want to compete on all four, front, all four fronts, you know. So, I mean, what's your opinion on that, Rob? Well, we've only got to go back to the last game. So, when we played Leeds United, everyone was cock-a-hoop because we won by five and people were happy and it's like it's good times are back again. And then what happened in the next game? So the next game showed that we still suffer in terms of depth. So we have lots of players, but can your players actually work within what the manager wants to do? So that game showed that United found it really, really hard to progress the ball. It wasn't specifically just about the double pivot, but it was about where Matic played. Was he kind of going into the correct areas? Now, Ronaldo coming to the football club doesn't solve that. But what it does solve is it makes your opponent do other things. So when you have Cristiano Ronaldo in your team, you can bet that he's going to attract attention. Another kind of NBA analogy, you know, I like to use basketball analogies, is that when you have a top superstar, top scorer, someone who can do amazing things, is that they normally draw two players. So when Cristiano Ronaldo is in the box, he's going with two defenders. That's the way it is. And that's going to make life beautiful for the players around him. So Jaden Sancho is going to get tons of room on the right. And so is Mason Greenwood. And I think when you look at this, I, I was again, you know, we talk about players and I've heard a lot obviously about when you bring players to the club, will they ruin the young players and all of this? You shouldn't think of it like that. Football is about winning. You have to find formulas to win. Now at Manchester United, we're proud of our history with youth. 
and it's still promoted in, in the football club. That's something that's part of our DNA. And we celebrate that. We celebrate it all the time. All the young players that come through, we love them. We, we give them that support. Mason is still young and he shouldn't be carrying the football club as a teenager. He should not be at 20, 21, 22, 23, still be thinking, well, this is the only guy we've got to score goals and we've been relying on him forever. Look at Marcus. You know, Marcus broke through in the Van Gaal era and he's had to kind of carry the team at times. And the last two years, we've seen how jaded he's become because he's played so many matches. You need energy, you need experience and you need rotation. And United haven't really got that blend right yet. Yes, United do need a midfielder. That's not a new need. It's not going to go away. But I think when you've had this kind of transfer window, you can sometimes just mitigate. So you're going to look at it and it will change stylistically how United play. So the double pivot will stay in place. People won't like that. That's tough, but it's probably still the right tactical choice. And there will be times where United go from 4-2-3-1 to 4-3-3. They raid. They've got pace. Ronaldo has still got pace in the final third. There's no doubt about it. He can do that. And it gives you balance. And, and then you lean on those strengths rather than being overly focused on your weaknesses. Yes, it's a great point, Rob. And I think also another thing to add to that as well is that you might see United be able to change their system. That's the key. That's yeah. what Oli needs to be able to do. And I think, you know, you might even see Bruno Fernandes play less. There's a question here saying, will he drop back? Um, you know, could there be issues like he did have at Portugal? That's a, that's a really good question. I'll bring that up, Rob, actually. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do you, how does the midfield line up? Does Ronaldo push Bruno a bit behind? I, I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think that if anything, after looking at the heat map, and uh, guys, if you haven't seen the heat map, like do have a look at it later if you've just jumped in because I think it gives a really good overview of actually where, what areas Ronaldo operates in. Ronaldo does come into the left channel as well. I think that's where Bruno excels because Bruno can go and make those third man runs, you know, in behind. And that's where you want Bruno Fernandes, in my opinion. I don't want him further back because I don't, I'm not saying he's... I, I think his skills are better further forward. I think he's more of a threat in the box. I don't think he's the most... I don't think he's the best passer of the ball, if I'm honest with you, Rob, mm. if I'm being completely honest. No, but right. I think... If you get Bruno nearer to the box, get him in the box, get him in around the goal, he's going to score goals and he's going to be a better threat than if he's further back and you're actually hindering what he's good at. Can we bring up the team sheet that we uh, we yeah, discussed, we obviously, beforehand? And it's again, it's just a visual aid about what I'm talking about. Um, you can see kind of here with the shape, it's still going to be 4-2-3-1. But if you look at that shape and you look at where the players are, now we're just talking here specifically also about Bruno, is that Bruno isn't really your classical number 10, but he does score goals more like a false nine. So he's got an incredible goal scoring and assist record because he lives around the edge of the penalty box and he makes those runs in there. Not the best third man runner in the world, but he should do more of it. He scored those goals. Obviously, the hat trick on the first day came from, from deeper runs. But if you look at the shape of the team there, and that was that's what you would probably play um, as soon as possible when McTominay came back. And then there's obviously the Rashford question. We've got Varane, Maguire, Fred and McTominay there in that kind of square, in that, or that squared shape in the 4-2-3-1. It kind of frees up the fullbacks to move forward. So Shaw would be playing more as a winger. He'd be overlapping Pogba. We've seen Luke Shaw do that now for a while. Aaron Wambasaka still not great on the front foot compared to others, but got as many assists last year as Luke Shaw. So that shows that he can still do that function. And then when you look at maybe the triangle there between Ronaldo, Bruno and Sancho, you can really do a lot of damage in terms of your movement. So when the ball gets to Pogba on the left, 
Those three become almost like a front three. Pogba is the floating eight, as we have described. He can come infield and he can find balls between the channels for Ronaldo maybe going slightly to the left channel, Bruno then going through the central channel and Sancho being on the right channel. Now, in tactical terms, that's beautiful. That's brilliant. Yeah, so that you don't need to... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't need to be Pep Guardiola to understand that. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a serial winner as a footballer and understands how that works. It's then how you, you coach that and how you make the system work. The good thing is, is that the whole squad are used to this system. This is not new money. You can bring Ronaldo in, but Ronaldo's going to do what Ronaldo does at the point of an attack. Bruno is going to do Bruno things there, playing in behind a striker. Jaden Sancho knows that side of the pitch very well. And Paul Pogba is the best option I think we've got at the moment yeah, in the I left agree. channel. So that. you can change it around. If you wanted to play a kind of a pure 4 3 3, so you might actually drop out one of Fred and McTominay. You might drop Bruno back, play a kind of deeper three, and then have three up the pitch. You could then maybe play Marcus on the left. You could even play Antonio Martial on the left and say Ronaldo through the middle and Sancho on the right. And Bruno would be more of a central midfielder. But I think as we saw in the Euros, the deeper he is, the less effective he is. He can be a kind of um, a more kind of box-to-box -box midfielder because he's got the engine, but then he becomes less of a player, I think. So 4-2-3-1 will still suit him best in the Premier League and it will also suit the players around him. I, I, I'm kind of staring at that team sheet as I talk to you and... I know people will find fault in midfield because they want an extra midfielder, but no one is giving me a name that makes me think, yeah, that's a midfielder. You get that midfielder and that box is ticked. Yeah, there's Sauna Gez. People like Nindida. Yeah, people like Basuma. There isn't a midfielder, even Ruben Neves, who I talked about a lot, didn't I, last year, about being a, a great fit for United. Well, let's, let's go into that, Rob, because I don't yeah. agree with you. I think there are, I think, if anything, there are options out there that, that options. do agree United. And there that are actually options. are reasonable. Like, Ruben Neves is one of them. Basuma's fantastic. Basuma can do what Fred does, at, but at a, at a higher level, in my opinion. He's better on the ball. He's press resistant. And then you're having a look, and he'd fit into the 4 2 3 one. You're looking at Sol as well. I think Sol could slot into there as well. Mm -hmm. um, who else have we said as well? I don't think Camavinga is going to happen. I think I think people. I, I think Camavinga is a great talent. I can't say I've watched a lot of him, so I can't really comment. But I do think as well. He's 18 years old, Rob. He's not going to walk into this starting eleven. So I think you know that sort of signing is for the future. Yeah. And maybe there's Paul Pogba in mind for that signing. You know, if he does leave. But I think there are options there, especially Neves. So I don't think indeed he's the option we need. We, we talked spoke about this last week. But there are options. There's three options there. The Manchester United conceivably could go and get. And they would be an improvement. I'm not saying you've got to go and take Fred and McTominay out, but I think there's always options. There's always options. What I've said and what I just said a minute ago is I don't look at those options as the final piece. You get me that midfield piece and we win the league. Because this is what people are talking about. Now, I'm a big fan of Neves. I love Basuma. I think they're really, really good players. I think when you look at Fred's percentiles like we did last year, and this is where you have to be cold hearted, you have to. Take the emotion out of it and say to yourself, yeah, I might not like that player, but let me look at him statistically. Let me see what he's doing. I guarantee you now, if we did a midfield show tomorrow, that Fred's statistics will be hotter than the two players we just met and we just talked about. Now, that's that's a stylistic issue. We all know that Neves is a better pass with the ball, that Basuma is probably uh, more mobile, certainly more potent going forward. He can also play in front of a back four. So these players can all do different things. So there are always choices. But I want choices that get you over the line. Man United have been buying players left, right and centre, Haydar, for 10 years. Di Maria's, Falcao's, Schweinsteiger's. You can go all the way through it. And not one of those players got United even close to the line. 
I think this team does get United closer. I think Ronaldo gets you closer. I think Sancho gets you closer. I think Varane gets you closer. You look at who was in the team instead. Varane over Lindelof. Yes, I like that. Pogba further forward. I like that. Bruno still doing Bruno things while he's been there now for over a year. And then there's Cristiano Ronaldo, the greatest player of all time. Luke Shaw. Now, if you look at him from where he was 12 months ago, people, as we've said before, would have gone with um, uh, a, a different choice on the left-hand side and try to make sure that you had more assists there. Well, the balance is what's correct, what's there. So when you look at a 4-2-3-1, I'm going to keep saying it. You need dogs in your double pivot. I want a better dog than Fred and a better dog than McTominay. Go and find me my dog. That's what I look at. So I like Basuma. I would love him at United. He's going to cost you 60 to 70 million quid. I like Neves. He's going to push you towards 40 or 50 million pound. When you've just given Cristiano Ronaldo 50 million pound in wages, you cannot execute these deals. You can't. No, but you can you also to... go and get Sol on a loan, for example. That, you could that would get, be smart. You could go and get so you could go against Sol on a loan if you feel that you're go, you need him specifically to do a certain job in midfield and you're going to play to his strengths. So I like Sol Niguez, there's no doubt about his qualities. There is reasons why he sat on Atletico's bench for maybe 50% of their games last year. He's not maybe at the standard he was two or three years ago. I still think he's a very, very good player, and I would take him tomorrow. I think he's got those qualities. But it's another X amount of 10 to 15 million pounds worth of wages, Haydar. That's hard to commit to unless you do uh, other things. thing to add, Rob, and I'm not sure if you can confirm this or not, but I have read this stat. One of the reasons why Saul hasn't, wasn't playing as well last season, we all know he's got massive wages and Atletico are looking yes. to shift his wages. It's Apparently, true. he has also got bonuses as well, where it's like you yep. know, how many games he plays. So that's why he was on the bench, purely because of the fact that they didn't want him to hit those bonuses so he didn't have to pay him even more money. Yeah, but I tell you what, on. if he was playing well, they would have paid him the bonuses and they'd have just played him. It's simple, yeah? Players giving you returns. The point is he wasn't giving returns, not like he was in the previous two or three years. But he's a player. Again, I would love at Manchester United. I think he's a really, really good player. But... When I stand here and look at the financial situation, I always, again, try to look at it from a businessman's point of view because that's how we have to look at it. And as football fans, we don't need to do that. I don't care what Ronaldo's on. I don't care what United play, pay transfer fees because I don't care about the Glazers uh, purse strings. But if I'm running the football club, then I start to care. So I look at that and I do think to myself, you've just bought three elite players who are on huge wages. What were they going to be on? So I think... Ronaldo is going to be on 480 is kind of what yeah. we're going to hear now in terms of confirmation. I think Sancho is more uh, around kind of a quarter of a million upwards and Varane is closer to uh, around the kind of mid 30, 300s, around up to 400. So you're just, you've just added every seven days an extra million quid almost on your wage bill. Let's, let's flip it though. Let's flip and that's it quickly. a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I, I completely understand. And I, I agree with you. Like this is where football fans probably slip up as they don't realize as well. That, you know, Manchester United have a huge wage bill and you add it, you just it's added, a business, on, yeah. you it's added a on an extra million a week uh, yeah. with these, with these players. I completely understand that, but let's, let's, let's flip it. And uh, McTominay's out injured. We've seen yep. what this midfield, we, we, let's talk from a purely footballing point of view. Yeah. McTominay is out now. Don't know yeah. how long, maybe maybe a month, two months. You've looked at and the man manager's legs are gone. You've got Fred who plays there. You don't have Jimmy Garner. He's gone. I'm just I'm throwing his name out there. Mm -hmm. Van der Beek is not fancied, I think, Rob. He might get more game time. He's not fancied. Mm -hmm. Paul Pog was playing further forward. United, from a footballing point of view, can't go into the season without bringing at least one more player in before deadline day. 
well, you're going to have to get used to it because they're not. <laughs> they're going to get three, and that's it. You're getting three, and you're getting three good players. So I, I think United are definitely still exploring it. We know that they are. They're looking at the marketplace. But it's very, very difficult to justify when you're looking at your investors. Like, no, we don't We talk about the stock exchange on this, on this program at all. We're a tactics podcast. But there are reasons why United just can't keep piling on the wage bill. Go and look at Barcelona. Go and look what they've done over the last three and four years. And go and look why they're bankrupt. They are bankrupt. You know, they are a negative equity football club. They now have a worth of minus 350 million. That's then that's the value of the football club. So United, I don't want United to do that. At the same time, I don't really care for the Glazers, but I care about doing it right, the right way. So you're right, McTominay is injured, but it's not kind of deemed as a long-term injury. He's going to have to have some rehab. So he'll be back in the team at some point. You do then have Fred. We saw what was going on with Matic last week. And then you do have to say to someone like Donny van der Beek, this is your time. You know, you're part of this squad. If you want to play, go and prove it. Well, all, so, all, he has, all he has to give him minutes then, Rob. He has to give him know. minutes. But again, Haydar, with two games into a season, and United fans are acting like we're 25 games into a season. So he's had two games, and he probably wasn't right for those two games at that point, let's be honest, you know, when we look at the shape. I get why he played Matic. Matic was probably the best player in preseason, but showed in that second game he's not really what we need. And I think you might see Donny van der Beek playing that system a little bit more. And there might be some tweaks. Unfortunately, when Marcus comes back, you might see Pogba drop drop back into the pivot just for necessity's sake, and that the Marcus will play on the left. That's not something that's going to surprise anyone. And that's how, as a manager, you have to manage your squad. You cannot say every week, I've got an injury, I need to buy another play. That's how you solve things. It doesn't work like that. So the wage bill at United is huge and it's it's kind of topping out. You know, they, they can't really afford another kind of two, three, four yeah, players. They, on they need to shift players out. They, they need to shift players. And again, what I've get, heard a lot this last two or three weeks from United fans is that, oh, why can United not sell players? Well, it's nothing to do with bad contracts. It's just that if you're selling players that you don't want, you then have to hope that other teams want them. And that's not always the case. So it's okay when there's a player that other teams want and they've got a high value. But if you are trying to move on Phil Jones, if Phil Jones is fit and ready to go, and it looks like he probably will, I think Fulham is a, a kind of a destination that's being mooted now for him to go, go and play in the championship, then you have to find a way for a club to actually want a player like that. You know, Andres Pereira, you've had to go and farm him back to Brazil. So these are all, you have to find different routes and different avenues for players that you're trying to get rid of and eventually we will be having this conversation about Anthony Martial we will be having this conversation about Donny van der Beek we'll be talking about Matic leaving we'll be talking Bye. about We'll be talking about Mata leaving. We'll talk about Bailly leaving. We'll probably talk about Lindelof leaving. We'll be talking about De Gea leaving. So the natural cycle means that you will lose players over time through age and contracts being run down. And that's the way to manage your wage bill. You manage it without making aggressive fire sales that then hurt your squad. So Oli wants to keep his squad as it is because he doesn't want to kind of just drop players out. But of course, some of those players want to play. You know, holding on to someone like Wan Mata at the end of last season, I was surprised because Wan wasn't even getting anywhere near the team. And yet Wan Mata's looked at the project and gone, I'm happy here. I want to do this. There's good players at this club. I want to carry on. David De Gea could have made a stink at the end of last season with, you know, Dean Henderson, you know, trading on his toes. And David yeah, De Gea has gone, I'm on a big contract. I love it in Manchester. I love living in Cheshire. I don't want to go. So these players have got the right to say that. Phil Jones, like we talked about earlier in the week, Phil Jones has fought injury for two to three years. He comes into work every day and fights for his place and tries to get fit. 
and hasn't been able to. It's not his fault. <laughs> you know, so the club have to find ways to get around all of these hurdles and have a kind of squad that works together. Uh, and I think Ronaldo, like you bring in someone like Ronaldo, that will give that dressing room a boost, even without victories. You know, if they go in there and Ronaldo sat there, they will all feel better about themselves. He'll have that kind of effect of self-esteem running through their veins. And I think that is that's as kind of as, a, as important a squad rotation in many ways. Uh, you're absolutely spot on. I said I tweeted that last night actually saying it cannot be underestimated what a lift Ronaldo walking to the dressing room will give to these players. It's going to be huge. Absolutely huge job. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing to watch. I have not seen so many Man United players as well tweet about a player coming. Yeah. You saw so many De Gea. I think one of the most amazing ones is Marcus Rashford. He's his idol. Mason yeah. Green is probably the same. They were kids in the academy. Jesse Lingard, there's loads of pictures of Jesse as a child. And, uh, you know, Ronaldo was obviously in the first team. They are playing with their idol. I think this is huge. And, you know, there's a question, what about Jesse Lingard? Is he going to leave, Rob? I mean, if he's got the chance to play Ronaldo, he might stay. I think United need to get Jesse out just because I want to see Jesse play regularly. I think, uh, you know, you're looking at West Ham, that move for Zuma's now falling through. Maybe they have a bit of cash to bring in someone like Jesse. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, looking at it now, that's the problem for Manchester United. Dallow's now staying. So that means Trippier's off the list, most likely. So yeah. Dallow's got another chance to try and try and force his way in. I think defensively he's a bit of an issue, but going forward he's better than Wan-Bissaka. So, you know, Manchester United have to try and make certain players that they thought were surplus to requirements a year ago. Maybe they have to try and use them. I don't agree with that, obviously. As fans, they're unhappy, but I think that's just the reality when you look at the wage bill. But fans will always be unhappy if they are kind of their opinions don't match what the reality is at that moment in time. So, I, again, I use a Luke Shaw analogy with Tellez is that when, when Tellez is on the left hand side, we know that United are weaker, but there are still plenty of United fans up until very, very recently that wanted Tellez to be the starter. Luke Shaw's earned his place through that process of showing what the kind of player he is. And that's, I think, I think that's a good challenge. I think it's good to say to players who may be just slightly off the mark for whatever reason, go out there and prove yourself. That's what football's about. That's what sport's about. You know, we are at the elite end here when we talk about Manchester United. Anthony Martial, go out there and prove what you are. Because if you don't prove it, then you're disproving it. And if you're disproving it, you can leave. So that's how I think the best way of doing it is, is kind of giving players chances and using your squad effectively. But at the same time, you don't just rotate to lose. Yeah, you don't bring in Donny van der Beek if you think that he doesn't work in a kind of matchup against a certain midfield. You wait until there's a successful matchup. So I think you'll see that Donny van der Beek as a, as a player here, he's, he's one who will get chances. United were impressed with him through pre-season. You talked about Les, uh, Jesse Lingard. He had a decent pre-season as well. I think he's probably going to stay. I don't think there's a market for him at the moment. I think West Ham have, have kind of made it clear that that they, they're not really happy with what the deal is and all of that. And I think Lingard himself has been pretty straight and said, I want to stay. So when players want to stay, you can't always get rid of them. You know, this is the thing. It's like, you know, you know, people always think you just ship out players and all of that. And, and, and football clubs do do that regularly. But when players are happy, why should they leave? You know, they're under contract. So you, you've signed that contract and you should honour it. So I don't care if Jesse Lingard plays or not, but I think it's uh, if Jesse Lingard's only coming off the bench for two or three minutes, then he's a kind of dud sud, uh, sub, isn't he? He's not the player that that you could you could have if you played him more. But at the same time, would I start Jesse Lingard for Manchester United? Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't. So you have to look at those and be honest about these things. So if he's in the squad, great, carry on. He'll be in the squad until whenever his contract runs out, and then th then it becomes a different question. Same with. 
players like Phil Jones, I don't get too you know hot or cold about them. It's just natural wastage at the end of the day. And I think United have got a squad like that. It's a, it's a quite full squad. There's still parts of it that don't quite work. That's dysfunctional. Yes, it would be nice to have another midfielder, but you're not going to bring in a Basuma for 70 million with his kind of age and experience and then think that you can't lose other players at the same time. You have to, you have to do it the correct way. And and you will get that midfielder ex- eventually. Like don't, you know, don't get too upset United fans. You know, you don't sign three players and then go, oh, we won't, we just won't ever fix the midfield. But you might have to suck it up for a bit. You might have to go, well, do you know what? You look at Fred's percentiles. I think he was in the 91st percentile in European midfielders. It's not that bad. Yeah, defensively he yeah. was. So, and that's his function. His function is to kind of do the pivot. So we know that if, if, he, if he was playing as a number 10, then he probably wouldn't be very good, would he? So it, it's about making good what you have. And then, of course, there's the onus on the coaching. You say to the coaches, make players better. That's the other side of it. So I think Ole has done that. I think he's made some players better, some maybe not. You know, there's our players that still, you know, I think we talked about Martial in the last year or two. Um, but before that, Marsh had a great season. We were all talking about how well he'd been coached and that he'd kind of got somewhere. So it's a balancing point. Let's see. You know, this is the point now to sit back and enjoy it. Watch it. See what happens. I would not be surprised if United lose to Wolves. I would really not. Wolves have had more shots than any team in the Premier League this year not scored. You know, I think they've had 42 shots, attempts. Yeah, they're looking games. much more much more attacking. Under and and they've got him in his back. They've got him in his back and they're just, they're just itching to score a goal. And they will do. They'll score a goal. So it's up to United now to kind of take the last couple of days and, and kind of feel that momentum on the football fit, on the football pitch and come out there and play hard and make sure they get a good result. And like I said against Southampton, you don't have to play well. You just have to win. Go out there and win the football match, and then you go home. That's as, that's as simple as it is with football, and that's how professionals really operate. When you're a top professional, if you don't have a good day at the office, bring home three points, all is forgiven. Rob, I just want to address this uh, sort of comment before we go because I think there's a misconception here. You know, saying mm-hmm. about shirt sales, and a lot of people, a lot of fans think that you know when you buy a player, you get so let's say Ronaldo make up for his fee or wages through shirt sales. Am I right in thinking this that actually no, because we get a certain amount. That's why Adidas pay us 70, 80 million a year. Uh, and that, you know, United won't get all the money that comes from shirt sales. It's actually a fraction. I think I read somewhere I, I, an article, you know, it's a 10%, 20% that the club actually does get from these shirt sales. It's it's a yes and no answer. And it's because you do get paid per year by, by Adidas. That's how United's deal is structured. Uh, so if you add an extra few shirt sales for whatever reason, it doesn't really make you any richer. It does mean that your over-merchandise business is more valuable. So you sell Ronaldo cups, Ronaldo hair grips, Ronaldo caps, Ronaldo everything. So you do make more money by bringing a player in like that. The other thing that it does is that it allows you to renegotiate your shirt deal with other companies. So United, uh, their deal with Adidas is coming to its conclusion. There's not really many years left of it. They're at the back end of it. There's no doubt that, that uh, they'll want to renegotiate with Adidas. Adidas have said openly that the deal they gave Manchester United was overvalued and they didn't, they're not happy with the return. Why? Because United have won nothing in that period, pretty much. You know, they want to, you know... Uh, Europa League and got to a final and, you know, a few cups here and there, but they haven't done the big ones. And it means that United can now go back to Nike and go back to Puma and say, do you want to sponsor our shirt with Cristiano Ronaldo in it? Are you up for that? Do you want to do something along those lines? Do you like Jaden Sancho? Would you like him in your shirt for 10 years? So that is what the value comes in terms of the negotiation. No, you don't earn, you know, if you sell another 100 million shirts, you don't make loads out of it, but there is a kudos to that, and it does actually. There's added value there that you can use commercially. 
Okay, cool. Thanks for clearing that up. And uh, let's go to the final word, guys. Thanks for all your comments. Really great to do a show. We're also back live tomorrow, by the way, straight after the Wolves game. Um, so we will be uh, doing a live show then. So make sure you do join us. But Rob, having a look at it now with Cristiano Ronaldo, we've broken down his, uh, we've broken down his stats for the last three years. Much better. 89 goals for Juventus. Much better than I even thought, to be honest. You, know, you do hear that he didn't do particularly well over there. You're looking at also his heat map. He definitely is a lot more um let's say um like he's much more mobile than than people think as well he's a 36 year old but he's not the normal 36 year old he's probably like a 30 year old to be honest with you he's an absolute supreme um fitness condition and uh yeah so you know sort of like what are your thoughts on initially now that we've calmed down a little bit i know he hasn't he hasn't joined the club well he's not we haven't seen him officially you know at the club yet but uh are you still feeling as high about uh cristiano joining and do you think that he moves that needle we always talk about needle don't we does he move that needle closer to let's say the cities, and I'll say Chelsea as well because they look good as well. Um, feel, you know, at the top. Yeah, I feel good about the sign, and no doubt about it. I, I said yesterday and the day before that Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't solve all of Manchester United's issues, and I still stick by that. I, it's just true. You know, you look at through our comments here on uh, on YouTube, and you know, everyone watching the show is saying very similar things. You know, we need another midfielder. We need we need another signing. We want a fourth player. Well, we can keep wishing those things. It doesn't mean they're going to happen or they might happen at a later date. But in isolation, I'm looking at this transfer window, Haydar, on its own. Jaden Sancho, Rafa Varane and Cristiano Ronaldo. What would you mark that, Haydar, in a grading from A to E or F or G or whatever you want to call it? What would you give that? What the window bringing them yeah. in? It'd, have, it'd be an A, A star. That's so you think ridiculous. it's an A, a star window? So I yeah. think it's, I, I think it's an A minus window, right? I say A minus. Why? Because you still do need that midfielder. You do yeah, need I agree. Them. You but need if you them isolate the players, though, Rob. But but as a window, as a window, it's a really really successful window. It shows that United have gone out there and been um, kind of progressive in the way that they wanted to attack the window, and they did say that they were going to do this. They restructured behind the scenes with Murto and obviously with the director of football. Obviously, that's obviously with Darren Fletcher. Now, these deals have been conducted by Ed Woodward, so let's not also pretend about that. But there's a better structure behind the scenes, footballing-wise, to go and get these players, to talk to them and say, come and join our project. So I look at those three players in isolation as a window, and I think it's highly successful. So I'm okay about not signing a midfielder this time around. They're still going to be talking about that, aren't we? We're still going to be talking about midfield issues going forward. But who knows? We might find that Fred or McTominay or someone else, someone like Medjbury or someone like that in the, in the football club, steps up. You have to think like that. You have to give players opportunity. And I'm happy to do that. If you're going to give me Ronaldo, Varane and Sancho, I'm all right with that. Let's go with it. Let's see what happens. And the challenge now is for Ole is to go and do it. Yeah. So I think he's been in now. This is the this is season three, effectively. He's had two years to build, to reshape. We've got the Paul Pogba question. I think still hanging over the football club. Is he going to sign? I think this does help him. You know, I think he might quite like the idea of playing Ronaldo yeah, for I mean, two look, years. Ultimate you know? ambition, I think, bringing Ronaldo. Yeah, 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 totally. And I, I think it shows where the football club wants to be. It wants to win. So if you want to win and you've got winners at the club, go and win that's how you have to be and the last game it did show that united still have maybe some cobwebs there in terms of their their personality to get stuff done to being dysfunctional sometimes but i think we're in a good place i think with this window a minus is a good window i'll take it and then i'll take that midfielder when they're ready i would love basuma but maybe 12 months at brighton will make basuma 10 times the player do you get what I'm saying? So then you go and get Basuma at the top of his value and you sign him and he might be the right player. You might see the rumour he'd never played for 
Wolves this year and we might go in 12 months' time, not quite what we need now, not quite the player we thought he was, he's declined. We might look at someone, we might be a kind of more experienced midfielder out there who could come into the club for only a couple of years and you think, that's the play you go and get because in the time and the place, that's the right signing. So I feel good about it. I'm glad Cristiano's back. I think he's going to score lots of goals. I think it's going to make lots of people happy. I was thinking yesterday in a kind of pessimistic way. I was thinking, I just hope he doesn't get a bad injury early on. I can just see it like a few games in, bad injury, touch getting up. Word, Rob, touch and it, was, word. it was also like, you know, Ibrahimovic at the end of the first year, we had all that kind of 10 months with him where it was fantastic. And then his knee just exploded and that was the end of his time at United it was kind of game over so there is always that fear with older players because it can happen but I think we just roll with it you know the next game obviously tomorrow with Wolves and we'll do our masterclass there we'll probably talk some more if we have a terrible midfield display this might suddenly change we might be like we desperately need a midfielder now because it's well, I, so, I still think we do, wrong. I, we do, we we do. and that, that's why I said it's a minus because it is a great it's a great window but we still do need a midfielder that's not that's not new but I do think you're only going to get that midfielder when you probably get rid of Matic so Matic going nowhere at the moment so when he's gone or when Matic and Matter have both gone, then you might be able to plump with your wage bill and go and get the right player and go and get Basuma or someone of that of that ilk. And there are good midfielders who who are not on the radar that eventually will have a good season this year. And you might fancy, you might go, do you know what, six months in, into, the, into the season or in January or next summer, that that's the player that you want to go to. There's a World Cup coming up. You know, you get stars that pop out of nowhere, new players, and there might be a player there. I know United fans won't be happy to wait that long. I hope we don't wait that long, but I don't think you're going to get your extra dream midfielder come Tuesday, obviously when the window closes. Sal Niguez is still on the market, but there is a feeling that Atletico are quite happy to keep him now and he's quite happy to stay. So that's the latest on that. Kieran Trippier is not coming. Um, as, as we're saying, uh, Diego Delo is going to stay. That that deal with Dortmund fell through. Uh, I think Dortmund's still keen. Dortmund still want him. But they're you're not thinking about an obligation to buy. They're happy to do that. Yeah, and I think it's more to do with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that he would like to see Diego Delo at United for a year to run the rule on him because he rates him. He does like him. So if he likes him, I say give him a go. Give him a chance. You know, you, you can only do that with your players. That's the best way to squad build is by giving people chances rather than holding a gun to their head every day and saying, oh, we don't like you, we don't want you, et cetera, et cetera. Give them opportunity and they might surprise you. Yeah, well said. And guys, look, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, very impromptu, obviously, podcast we've done, the Cristiano Ronaldo special. If you're new here, do come over to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, and please do spread the word because we'll be doing many, many more shows this year. Rob, thank you for joining me and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you.